following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. If you would, open up your Bibles to Jeremiah this morning. We're going to be in Jeremiah uh, chapter 33. So Jeremiah chapter 33 is where we're going to be at this morning. Give a chance for you to get there. Jeremiah's in the Old Testament. All right, Jeremiah chapter 33. We're going to look at verses uh, 14 through 16. If you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, that is uh, in the Pew Bible. It's on page uh, 1232. So if you don't have a Bible this morning, 1232. And if uh, you want a Bible, Merry Christmas. That's my free gift to you. Okay. I have a question for you this morning. I, don't, I know I don't ask you guys to speak back a lot. Um, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Um, but I have a question. What is the one present. Now think about this before you speak, okay? What is the one present that you wanted so bad for Christmas? And then the second question is, did you get it or did you not get it? So what is the one thing, you just yell it out so everybody can hear you, one thing you wanted so bad when you were growing up for Christmas and did you get it? Everybody's like, we can talk? Yeah, you can talk. An easy, did you get it? You didn't get it. Amber needs an easy bake oven this year for Christmas. Let's take the offering around one more time. <laughs> Somebody else, give me another one. What'd you say? Well, hold on, hold on. A pony? Like a real pony? How many women here have wished for a pony for Christmas? How many of you, now that you're adults, realize that is a horrible <laughs> gift? There you go. <laughs> Find each other after church. Make it happen. We're making dreams come true today. <laughs> Bill, what do you want? Bill wanted a doll. <laughs> this is why we don't talk in church. <laughs> what kind of GI Joe doll? Do you remember? Oh, you, you so you got it. You're a true. You're a true boy. Not currently. No, they've been up in the air. If anybody wants to go out with the Kawikis today after church, he'll show you his G.I. Joe collection. It'd be great fun. Anybody else? Give me one more. Who's got one more? A puppy? Did you get it? I don't even like your dog now. <laughs> what kind of puppy? Do you remember, like, the specific kind? Now that we're parents, can you imagine shoving a puppy in a box? <laughs> it's just giving it to people. Man. Or a cat. I always, you know, <laughs> I remember that too. I remember what I wanted so bad for Christmas. I don't know if you guys know this about me or not, but um, I rollerbladed when I was a kid. And uh, I, I don't mean like we rollerbladed around like the, the block, right? I wasn't that person. Uh, we rollerbladed on like ramps and uh, all that other crazy fun stuff. And I, I'll never forget, I wanted a pair of um, 
these specific rollerblades. They were K2 fatties. K2 makes skis. Uh, but this, this rollerblade was really cool, and I wanted it so bad, and I begged and pleaded with my parents. And uh, sure enough, underneath the Christmas tree one day is this, uh, this pair of skates. And then I realized it was snowing, and we couldn't use them at all. So my mom looks at me. She says, Jordan, those are really expensive. If you go out in that snow with those skates on, you're going to see Jesus. <laughs> And so, uh, so I remember that so clearly, and, and, and I know you guys probably remember really clearly like the gifts that, that you asked for. And, and you know what? During Christmas, now that I'm older, I realize that so many of those gifts kind of fade away, don't they? I actually have those rollerblades in my office right now. They're collecting dust. Um, it's amazing to me that they just wither and decay, and, and they're no longer. And so the older I get, the more I realize, like, I want a gift that lasts uh, for a long time, right? I want a gift that lasts for forever. And I realize that Jesus is that gift. And we realize as we look at prophecy this morning that Jesus is that gift that has been given to us, to those who would receive him, right? You have the rights to become children of God. Jeremiah is going to tell us that in Jeremiah chapter uh, 33, verse 14 through 16. And we're going to walk through that here this morning. And so um, if you're there uh, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 13, uh, we're going to look at that here uh, this morning. And let me read that to you. The pages are stuck together. It says this in... uh, I went to 13 instead of 33. So I was like, that's not right. 14. Behold, Jeremiah says... The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill a promise that I made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Verse 16. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Let's ask God's blessing upon his word this morning. Heavenly Father, this truth is is huge for us as it was for the people who received it from Jeremiah. And I pray that you would help us to be clear today as we present this passage of scripture and apply it accordingly to our everyday lives. It's amazing as we get into the Christmas season that we remember your coming, but we oftentimes forget that you're coming again. We lose sight on the fact in our everyday busyness of life that you're going to come back again and you're going to restore that which is lost. And we long for that, that you would come again soon. So I pray as we talk through this text this morning that you would help us to understand clearly how it was impactful for the days in Jeremiah, but also how it impacts us today as well. Help us to live out, to be doers of the word. It's in your name, in your name, the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, that we pray. Amen. Let me give you some background on Jeremiah and what's happening here, okay? Jeremiah is a prophet, not a bullfrog. Just got to get that through your head. That's how I got my kids to understand the books of the Bible, and it worked, but you, you have to ditch childish things at some point in your life, okay? And he is in prison. And the reason that Jeremiah is in in prison is because he's spoken badly against the place in which he populates. 
Jeremiah told the people that this place called Babylon is going to come. And Babylon's going to do horrible, wicked things to the city. And the people submitted to Babylon. And he says, because of those things, there's going to be dead bodies that fill up all of your houses. He's such a happy prophet. But he's telling the truth. And so the people look at him and they say, listen, and we don't like those words. And we're going to throw you into jail. And so it is with our society today, isn't it? You're going to speak the words of God into somebody's life, maybe in this season, and they're not going to like what you have to say. But we're not here so that people will like what we have to say. We're here so that people would have a choice on who they will submit to. And that's either that they're going to love the Lord or they're not going to love the Lord, and they're going to see the truth that God has given us or they're going to reject them. And so Jeremiah finds himself in a little bit of a pickle. He's sitting in jail and here comes God's word and it declares to the people that even though God seems to have hidden his face, he's going to guide regardless of their disobedience and have mercy on them through healing and prosperity and security. And so the people are, are going to be saved. Backtrack to Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 1 through 13, that first couple of verses that are in the text. And we realize that it's going to set that promise into motion that the people who are in sorrow are going to be filled with joy because Jesus is coming. And so it will be with us when Jesus comes again. The Messiah is coming. He's going to give justice. He's going to give peace. And he's going to give comfort to us. Are you longing for that? I'm kind of longing for that. The older I get, the more I long for it. I pray sometimes that my kids don't have to see the things that I have seen with my eyes. And I know some of you have prayed those prayers too as well. Go to verse 14. The prophet says, the days are coming, a righteous branch, the Lord our righteousness. So the first thing that we see in Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 14 is that the days are coming. The days are coming in the future and the days are coming where God's promises are going to come true. The same thing happens in our time today. The days are coming in the future that God's promises are going to come true. Now, the days are coming refers to a near future. So if you're hearing Jeremiah talk, you would be like, Jeremiah, what days are coming to us as people? And you would say, well, it's days in which God is going to restore the land. It would be very parallel to somebody coming up in church on Sunday and saying, listen, the government can't be bad forever. And if you were good citizens, you'd be like, amen, right? Or we hope so. And what you would do is, though, you would passively receive that message because it's always been bad. We've always had leaders that are twisted and crooked. We've always had people that are far from God. You really think somebody's going to come and restore the fortunes in which we have lost? He says, yeah, absolutely. God is going to come back and he's going to restore them. We know that because if we go back to Genesis chapter 17, verse 8, God boldly declared, I will give to you and your offspring after you, the land of your sojournings, all of the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And guess what? I'll be your God. God has told us in the Old Testament repeatedly that he is going to be our God. The days are coming. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to take care of you. But the people were far from God and rejected him. And so it is with us, right? We see it at the Christmas season when we watch people who go shopping and they look for things of substance that are going to fill their souls instead of the one thing that can fill the longing in which they have inside, which is Jesus. And so we realize that these things are true. And Jeremiah has refer, uh, essentially reaffirmed this. If you go back to Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3, you don't have to flip there. Let me read this to you. He says, for behold, 
The days are coming when I, the Lord, will restore the fortunes of my people and I will bring them back to the land which I gave their fathers. Now, Jeremiah puts another essential um, promise on top of that. And he says, they're going to take possession of the land. That's a huge prophecy that they get to jump in. So he declares the days are coming. Jesus is going to come. And we know that he came. And we sit here in a congregation this morning and we realize that he is coming again soon. Yes? Do you believe that? That Jesus is coming again soon? We've been studying the book of Acts. And the disciples stood there in Acts chapter 1 verse 11 and they watched Jesus. And they kind of were dumbfounded for a minute. They're like, is he coming back now? I don't know. How about now? I don't know. Here comes an angel to give clarity to where they were unclear. And he says, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, he'll come back the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. Christ came once. He's going to come again. Why? To fulfill, verse 14, the promise that he made to us. God's promises always come true. I don't know if your dad was good, if your dad was bad, your mom was good, your mom wasn't any good. I'm not sure the family in which you grew up in, but I do know this, that even though earthly parents' promises fall short, God's promises never do, ever. We were talking the other night, and I said, I have yet to step out in faith and not have God provide for my needs when I've done so, because his promises always come true. The days are coming connects to I will fulfill the promise, a time in which my good words will come true that I made with Israel and Judah. Jeremiah 29, going before 30, it says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I'm going to visit you. I'll fulfill to you my promise and bring you back from this place. I came once. I'm going to come again. How do we know that? Because it says in Revelation 22, look, I'm coming again soon, bringing my reward with me. I'm the alpha, I'm the omega, I'm the first, I'm the last. I fulfilled every other promise, I'll fulfill this one too. Do you believe that God's promises are true? And if so, then you depend on them, that they will come true. <clears throat> I remember when I was uh, in high school, I had a bunch of buddies of mine that really pushed me going into the National Guard. Like, Jordan, you should go in the National Guard. And in high school, I weighed about 125 pounds. And so I don't know if the National Guard was ready for Jordan just yet. And in reality, to be selfish, I just didn't want to go overseas. I was like, I, I don't know. I think you're going to get deployed. And they're like, we'll never get deployed. We talked to the recruiters, and the recruiters said, did you never go overseas? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I talked to them too, you know. And, uh, and they said, no, you never go. Sure enough, three of my buddies that enlisted in the service ended up going overseas. A couple of which had kids before they left. And so their kids really didn't know their dad. And what I found out was um, their, their wife, their spouse, would look at the, at the kid and they would say, Listen, your dad, he's coming again soon. He's going to come back home. He's, he's going to return. And they would tell about dad and what dad was all about and what dad did. He's coming again soon. And the sad thing was some dads didn't come back. We know that, right? And even though some of the man's promises fall flat, God's promises never do. 
He's going to come back again soon. That's amazing news for the people of the Old Testament. We have to trust it in faith. First of all, that Christ came. Second of all, that he will come again. And life is not the same without the presence of the Messiah. The Old Testament people didn't get to see it. I love the passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 13. Listen to these words. For truly I tell you, that's to me and you gathered in this house this morning. Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but didn't see it, and to hear what you heard, but did not hear it. If the Old Testament individuals were gathered here this morning, they would say, you have the risen Messiah and the opportunity to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Trust Christ and his promises. Verse 15, in those days, here we learn about Jesus. At that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Now, let me give you a backstory about what's going on here, okay? When he says a righteous branch, it's very similar to how we do uh, like Ancestry.com, right? You would say, I got some good branches in my house, not so good branches in my house, right? We got some really straight branches in my house, and then we got some real crooked branches in my house. And it's validated every time we gather for Thanksgiving and Christmas, because I bought Uncle Carl a gift, even though he doesn't deserve the gift, right? <clears throat> so this righteous branch is a straight branch from God to what we call the Davidic dynasty, okay? The promise of Christ meant restoration for David's line. King David, you know the guy that killed uh, Goliath? King David, the one who looked inappropriately at Bathsheba? Bathsheba, right? I started second-guessing myself in my head. I'm like, I think that's correct. King David, the one who hid in caves from Saul, right? This guy is going to restore David's faults. He has a promise through Nathan the prophet in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that he's going to come from the lineage of David to establish a kingdom that would endure forever. It is going to be ready for this. And if you don't write anything down, I would write this down. The Davidic covenant is an unconditional promise of God. You know what that means? That means that there's no conditions on David or Israel to do a certain thing in order for it to come true. God says, I'm going to allow this to come true regardless of your obedience or your disobedience. Jesus comes to us regardless of our obedience or disobedience to him. It is an unconditional covenant that I am going to give to you. I do not place any conditions on this for its fulfillment. It's going to happen. That's amazing. The surety of the promises of God's faithfulness don't depend at all upon David's obedience. Thank the Lord. Do you know how twisted David is and was? Read Psalms. It's a journal of a man who's wrestling with everything that the world throws at him. First John says, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. You have to trust the righteous branch. Paul says you stand by your faith. The promise in the Old Testament of a righteous branch is the validation of all the New Testament authors and the books that we have in front of us. 
He is a righteous branch. He is a sprout or a growth. He is one that is marked out for us. Isaiah uh, preached about it. He said, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch that shall grow out of his roots. It's a promise of God that's come true. Now, here's, here's kind of how I equate this to our everyday life. Okay, So I had all my buddies and they went overseas. And then um, it was kind of interesting because when you would have conversations with their kids as they were getting older, uh, they would talk about their dad and if they were a good person or not a good person, right? And so when they came home, they kind of had to validate if they're good people or not good people. And one of the ways that they validated that, which I thought was interesting, was a lot of them are cops right now. Some of them kind of fell in the wrong uh, field, and so they, they work for the state. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's a joke for all my police officer friends out there. Um, it's kind of like being a firefighter. Um, and, and then some... Um, some people, uh, they went and they, they worked for the FBI and they worked for local departments and all of that other, other stuff. And so what they saw was, what the kids saw was essentially their, their father was a righteous person because of the actions that he did when he came back. Now, what, let, me, let me unpack this for you for a second. What makes Christ being righteous for us today is that those of us who have accepted Jesus as Messiah are called, ready for this? to be righteous branches off of a righteous person. Now, I know that probably doesn't make sense to you, and you can, you can, go, uh, you can go back here if you want uh, into John chapter 15, because Jesus spoke about this. And I'm going to read this to you because it's really, really good, and you need to hear it this morning. John chapter 15, in the very first part, listen to what Jesus says about this, and he is echoing Jeremiah's words. Track with me here. I am the true, what? vine. And my father, he is the vine dresser. In other words, he owns the field. Every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear what? More fruit. You ever discipline your kids because you love them? Abide in me, verse four, and I'll abide in you. As, um, the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. So Jesus in Jeremiah is the righteous branch and he says, attach yourself to me, abide in me. That word abide, if you want to circle that, that means the one who stays in security, who doesn't depart. It's the person who goes to uh, the panic room and closes the door until they know it's safe to get out. He who abides in me, she who abides in me, Jesus says, finds safety because without me, you can do nothing. Six, if anyone doesn't abide in me, he's going to be thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what? Ask whatever you want. I'll tell you if you can have it or not. Jesus, can I have a brand new pair of rollerblades? No. Why not? Because I know what's best for you. Jesus, can I have the job that I want so bad next year? No. Why not? Because I know what's best for you. Jesus, can you give us uh, 
A new car? Yeah, but it's not going to be the brand new car. But I'll provide one for you. You can ask whatever you want, which connects over to verse 2, which says every branch that does not bear fruit he takes away, and I'm going to prune some of those branches. And I'm going to do what's best for you. By this the Father is glorified that you may bear fruit, and so prove to be, verse 8 says, what? My disciples. Here's so what, okay? First thing, salvation is possible through Jesus Christ. You've got to get that through wherever it needs to get through. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Whether you're a full-blown Jew who believes in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, or you're a Gentile like me that's been grafted into the family tree, you can produce good works, righteous acts under the eyes of the Lord if you have a relationship with him. Do you have a relationship with Jesus before we go any further this season? Have you trusted Christ, that he is your savior? He didn't just come to be a good person, but he came to be the righteous branch to give us life and life eternal. Two, sanctification is possible through Christ. Sanctification is the action of being set apart for the glory of God. If we abide in him through faith to produce growth and godly works, Paul says, if the root is holy, so are the branches. So let me just ask you a question as we get the season started. And I know this might hurt a little bit, and I'm really sorry for it, but not really because I've been studying it all week long. It's been really kind of impacting here. Are you holy because Jesus is holy, or are you still letting sin give setbacks in your life that you could overcome? See, if Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus rose again, you don't have to live in your sin anymore. You can be more than conquerors in him who loved us and redeemed us. So why are you still playing around with the old self when Jesus wants to give you a new self? It says in the text that if the root is holy, so are the branches. And some of us this season need to unpack the gift of holiness so that we can be set apart for the rest of the world so that those people who are far from God can come to know Jesus Christ through you. All right? Don't leave me alone up here. Our righteousness works and holiness come because of our connection to Christ. That's the best gift that you can impact this year. That you can open it up and say, I can be like Jesus because of the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. Third thing, human hardships produce righteousness through Christ. Nine o'clock hour, first of the month, we pray together. We've been gathering for, oh man, a long time. And, um, by a long time, I mean like six, seven months. And it's uh, a long time for me. And it's been amazing. We've been hearing people's prayer requests and what they've been praying. And um, we've seen this past year people go through a massive amount of hardships. But here's the crazy thing. The more people I see go through hardships, the more when they depend on Christ, they come out better on the other side. Isn't that amazing? When we pray that God would give us a hardship in our life so that it can produce righteousness, what a prayer. Jesus says that God in love prunes disciples and tries us so that we would become more profitable. What if we're praying this year for the present of patience? Patience is a prayer request that God will always give you. When I hear people say it, I go, oh man, I don't think you know what you just prayed for. And then I say, Jesus, I just want to get out of the way of my brother Paul over here who prayed for patience because I didn't pray it. He prayed it so you could give it to him and grant that to him. And I'll watch him and I'll pray for him in his process. Amen. 
He'll do what he needs to do to make us yield and live in connection with him. Listen to the writer of Hebrews. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant for a time, but painful. And later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So it goes a little bit deeper, if you would, jump back into Jeremiah in that very last passage of Scripture. In verse excuse me, 16, where it says, In those days Judah will be saved because of the righteous branch. We could reword that now because Jesus has come. In those days, we will be saved because of the righteous branch, the one who executes justice and righteousness. And we will be saved because those who place their faith and trust in him and we will dwell securely. And I love this last passage in verse 16. And this is the name in which we will call him who's given us all these gifts. You know what it's called? The Lord is our righteousness. Now, if you're a Jew and you're reading that, you wouldn't say the word Yahweh uh, because that's, that's the, the, the most awesome name of God. And you just don't repeat that, okay? But they would say a, a similar word for it. And then they would use the Hebrew word sakinyu. I was sitting and um, talking to a friend of mine. His name's Craig. And I said, Craig, can you tell me about Jehovah sakinyu? And Craig knows a bunch of Hebrew and he's way smarter than I am. And he went to correct me. And he's like, Jordan, you, you got that right. Thanks, man. Like, I said, I said, the Lord is our righteousness. He said, the Lord is our righteousness. And I said, what does that mean? He says, it means the Lord is our righteousness. He said, for the Jews, they looked at the Messiah to be righteous, but we would say Jehovah, which is Jesus, which is God, that he is our righteousness. And let me, let me just walk this through for you real quick because it's amazing. See, righteousness is more than a characteristic of Jesus Christ. It is more than just a characteristic of God. The Old Testament people saw God's righteousness because his actions were done in fulfillments of his promises. They are displays of his glory. Jeremiah chapter 9, uh, verse 24 says, I am the Lord. I exercise my justice and my kindness and my righteousness on earth. For these I delight. All that to say, we are not simply to know God is righteous, but we are meant to experience his righteousness in our everyday life. So what that means is, in God, the promise of his righteous branch, he would be called, the Lord is our righteousness, which means if he is upright and straight, we can be upright and straight. Are you tracking? We become righteous because Christ is righteous. If you look through a blue glass, you see blue. If you look through a red glass, you see red. If you look through an orange glass, you see orange. When God looks at you, he looks through Christ, those of us who have placed our faith in him, and he sees righteousness. That's amazing. You understand this, those of you who have kids, because even though they do wrong, you look at them and you say, but I still love you and I still care about you. And I see the potential in you to be something that you can be, not something in which you are. If Jehovah God is our righteousness, our psychenu. We can be narrow and upright and holy in God's eyes. We don't have to live in our own sin. We don't have to live in our shortcomings. The glorious truth is that when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior, God looks at us through Christ, seeing us in all the holiness of his Son. This is imputation. As Adam's sin was imputated to you, Christ's righteousness 
with those who place their faith and trust in him is imputed to them. That's amazing. You cannot earn righteousness, but because Christ became our righteousness, it is ours through him. Paul said, because of Jesus, you are righteous and you are sanctified and you are redeemed. He says, because of Jesus, what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your, here's the key word, Paul says, to your conscience, to your mind. I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That Jehovah is God. Jesus is God. He is our righteousness, and in him we can prosper. The prophecies of the Old Testament are that Jesus is going to come. We know that is true. And so the prophecy in the New Testament is that he is going to come again and therefore live righteously because of him. So first question. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your savior? Are you righteous? Do you have right standing with God? Have you confessed that you're a sinner and that you need the blood of Jesus, a righteous savior, a righteous branch? And many of us have. So let me just ask you a question as we get moving into Advent season. Are you living righteously because of Christ? Do you live righteous because of Christ? If I were to go and talk to your neighbors and ask them what kind of person you are, what would they say? If I would go talk to your spouse and ask them what type of person you are, what would they say? If I were to go ask your friends, let me give you another one. If I were to go ask your enemies, what type of person you are, what would they say? Bethany gifted me a, a great gift uh, just this past Friday. We went to go see Bill and uh, Gaither. Sure did. <laughs> um, long live Southern gospel music, y'all. And uh, I realized just how young I really am. <laughs> we ate at the Blue Gate and... Um, Grandma and Grandpa were there, and I just realized I need to slow down a little bit because I move really fast for some people, and, um, and when you move fast, you run into walkers, and when you run into walkers, you run into sanctified older people who would love to let you meet Jesus, um, and old men um, don't really care about me in this world. Um, Bill Gaither said on Friday, he said, there's two people that will tell you the truth, little kids and, and old people. He said, little kids, they don't know any better, but old people, they got nothing to lose. <laughs> and we realized that that's true on Friday night. Anyway, I digress. Um, so, so we're there, and, uh, and we're listening um, to, to Bill, and, and he does something that's really cool. He commissions young people to be in his trio to sing. So there's a lot of young people that sing there to this older crowd. And he started talking about the fact that there's going to come a time where you're going to be in, in the casket and they're going to close that lid and they're going to throw dirt on you. And then they're going to walk away and they're going to go eat potato salad at church. And I said, yeah, that's, that's true. I've, I've been alive. You know, that's what they do. And then they're going to go on with their lives. And what are they going to say about you? 
man, I started thinking about that. I started thinking about Jeremiah chapter 33, and I wonder if people would call me righteous. I wonder if people would call our church righteous, that they're godly men and women who love Jesus, who aren't scared to proclaim the truths of God, regardless of the cost. I would hope and pray that people would say he was convicted of his sins and shortcomings. And I hope they would say that about you. I pray that people would say uh, he or she was a tempted man, but overcame temptation because of the reliance that they had on Jesus. That's, that's what we get with a relationship with God. What, what a great gift that he has given us. What is the best present that you have ever asked for? The older that I get, the more I just want Jesus. My mom, she texted me the other day and she says, Jordan, what do you want for Christmas? So I sent her a picture of an airplane. <laughs> and she said, do you want uh, what color? And I said, black and red, duh. And she said, okay. And then she texted me the other day. She said, they don't make black and red airplanes. I think she's lying. <laughs> I said, mom, I think you need Jesus in your life. She said, what do you want for Christmas? And so I went on Amazon.com. I started looking at a bunch of junk that I don't need so mom can buy me stuff that I don't want. If I, I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I said, I just want Jesus. I, I love the relationship that I have with Jesus. I told Bethany the other night, Friday night, at, at Bill Gaither concert. Still can't believe I was there. I looked at her. <laughs> I also can't believe I was so excited to be there. Um, this guy, digress a little bit, but we got a, a, a second. He looked at us and, and he said, what do you do? And he was, he was older. And I said, oh, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I said, yeah, I got kind of this um, modern co uh, uh, exterior with a real conservative core. That's me. He said, can you say that again? I think I need to take that home. I said, you can take whatever you want home. I said, but it's still what I am. He said, there's hope for your generation yet. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You never heard me preach and you haven't talked to me for more than five minutes. So step back a second. But it was amazing. Um, as we were talking to this individual, we just talked about Jesus. Just give me Jesus. If you knew for sure that you could get the best present you ever wanted and it was available to you in this life, but also for the next, would you take it? Man, I hope you would. Let me, let me pray and ask God to help us be righteous. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and what it says and, and, and the truth that is uh, in the text. <clears throat> we thank you for, for Jesus. God, this season is so interesting because we get pulled between the secular and the sacred so much. It's so fascinating because we find ourselves pulled in this season for the things that the world offers and then the things that the word offers. And we have the ability in the season to see ourselves for what we truly are. And that's selfish. But then we see who we are in Christ. And because of Jesus, we can live righteously. We can live upright lives. We can be holy and pure, but we can't do that by ourselves. We have to depend 
on you. And so God, I would pray that in this season we would depend more on that which is sacred instead of that which is secular. And that we would uh, have a desire and, and, and build in that desire for us to be sacred, to be holy, to be set apart, to do your work and to do your will. May our ears listen to the things that are of you. May our mouths speak the things that are of you. May our hearts be attentive to the things that are of you. And may our hands and feet run to the things that are of you. May we be like Jesus this season. God, I pray that. I mean that. Not just for myself, but for this congregation that's gathered here. May every week this month we be reminded of Jesus, the one who has come and the one who is coming again. Oh, we love you so much. And we enter into communion today to remember that sacrifice, the death and the resurrection of a righteous God so that we who were sin don't have to be sin, but we can be made holy and pure. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.